if there's a bad to something, there has to be a good because the world lives in polarities. Mm. So expectation of the self, I mm. expect myself to give my best. Mm. So I always want to, my expectation is always geared towards process, mm. not process, outcome. Okay. I expect okay. myself mm-hmm. to show up in a certain way. I expect myself to, um, you know, deliver my best, or I expect myself to be kind to other people. Those are all things that I can control. It's the expectations on uncontrollables that um, lead people astray. Well, hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Rock Your Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Boker, a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help you. This show is designed to teach you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to take massive action and build a future-proof business. So whether you're just starting out or taking your existing business to the next level, this is your home. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's rock your brand. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode, and I have a featured guest that I am fired up today to share with you. His name is Todd Herman. Now, I met Todd in Puerto Rico last year, and it was awesome. Now, let me just give you a little backstory on Todd, and you'll hear more of his story once we get into his interview. But uh, Todd had recently wrote a book called The Alter Ego Effect. And really what it is, it's how to unlock your inner self or your identity that is there, but you might not be using. It's kind of like if someone steps into the ring of a boxing match or in the field of play and they're a different person because they step into this character or they step into this warrior and he goes into how we all have this type of personality or this identity or how we can discover it and how we can leverage it. Now, he's worked with Olympic athletes, pro athletes, all different types of people that are trying to achieve peak performance. And he's also worked with a lot of high-level businesses. So that's why I wanted to get him on here. He's got a great story, number one. He's been at it over 20 years, and he just really understands this up here, and that is your mind and how it works and how to get the most out of yourself and how to really bust down any barriers to get the most performance out of you. And we think about performances like how do we run faster? How do we jump higher? How do we really achieve more from our life? And we really do get deep into those discussions. So I really, really encourage you to listen to this entire interview and start taking notes. Now I will say there is uh, you know maybe a couple of cuss words in here, but I left those in here because I do believe that they are there for a reason. And Todd is one that, you know, he's just going to call it as it is. He is not going to sugarcoat things. He's going to call you out on something if he feels like you're just, you know, you're just BSing yourself. So I just wanted this to be raw and real. So just a little, a little disclaimer there. So be prepared for that. It's not, it's not crazy. It's not too much, but I think uh, leaving it in there just also lets you see that we really need to be sometimes woken up and we need to just have someone be real and raw. And uh, really, again, just had a great time hanging out with Todd and I wanted to bring him to you and have this conversation with him about how do we get more out of our life? How do we discover our inner self more or our identity that's there? How do we step into it? So again, this is episode 849. I encourage you to grab the show notes to this episode too, brandcreators.com forward slash 849. I'm going to stop talking so you can enjoy this interview with Todd Herman. Well, hey, Todd, welcome to the podcast. Finally get to have you come on the podcast and we're not climbing palm trees in Puerto no. Rico together. No, we're not. Scotty V, <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, You know, it's a crazy time that we're in right now. And I know uh, that you actually had the, the, the coronavirus. I did. Right. Um, Can you, 
speak to that real quick before we even dig into the interview. I want people to understand like where you sure. were and how you, you know, how this whole thing affected you and your family and everything. I, I am, um, I've been an overachiever since birth. So I was actually one of the first <laughs> people in, you know, live in New York city. And so I was one of the first people in the New York area to, to get the virus before all the lockdown stuff even happened. So we were quarantined all of March and uh, my experience was uh, I, I started with a really horrible flu with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually mm-hmm. lost 19 pounds in two days. That's why I thought they called it COVID-19 because oh you lost 19 pounds wow. <laughs> when you got it. So if you want a fast weight loss program, it's a pretty good one. And, wow. uh, and then after that, it settled into my lungs. And then it took me about, and I was, but I was still operational after, after the, the first two days I was, I was out. I was mm. actually in the, going in and out of the hospital. But um, then when it settled my lungs, it was, you know, shortness of breath, fatigue issues and stuff like that. But I was still operational. I was still working and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying to you before we got on that, if, even at the beginning of March, if you Googled coronavirus or COVID-19 patient, I was one of the top search terms in the news um, wow. of Google because um, Business Insider, Yahoo, a bunch of these different outlets picked up on a story of wow. me just talking about my experience. But at the time, mm-hmm. all the narratives were about people dying is fear, 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 fear. And I wanted to get one out there that said, hey, like, yeah, it's it's bad. It's not an illness that you want to necessarily get. And it's mm. definitely dangerous to people with like pre-existing conditions, but you know, I'm operational. I'm fine. I'm mm. working and stuff, but it cycled through my family. My kids got it. My wife got it. Uh, my kids were over it in about a day, day and a half and they were fine. Wow. My wife was over it in about five, six days, long-term effects of it though. Um, it's done about 50% damage on my lungs. So uh, when I was talking to my doctor about a week and a half ago, he said, it looks like you've got the lungs of someone who's been smoking for 25 to 30 years. No so it'll take me, it'll take me a while to basically get back the, um, the lungs into good condition. But mm. yeah, I mean, I was definitely at the, the front end of all this stuff. Wow. And so I, I remember you saying that on that video, cause I watched it is you were saying that your breath, you, I think you had did something with like, uh, your daughter a contest your, with my daughter. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, what, and you were holding it what for like a, over a minute, your breath normally. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I work in sports and stuff like that and sure, I always do a little sure. competitions with my, with my little kids, but yeah, I can hold my breath for about a minute and 45 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was doing a competition with my daughter and, and just ironically, I'd done it about a week before I got the virus. And, uh, and then when I had the virus, the most I could even come close to holding my breath was 10 seconds. That's insane. So that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So like having but, someone with a, a compromised, uh, you know, immune system or just even like just respiratory, like they're going to be affected. And that's what they were, they were saying. So you, you, yeah. you say that that's true, right? Definitely, like, definitely true. And I mean, if there's one thing I'd give someone as a takeaway, World Health Organization has pulled their, um, uh, you know, if it came out that Advil was something or ibuprofen wasn't something that you should be taking. And then, you know, two days later, WHO said, oh, that's not true. Well, I took it because I'm actually also going through an Achilles rupture. I, I, that's how I got the uh, um, virus was I went in for, I ruptured my Achilles doing American Ninja Warrior training with my daughters. And when I went in at the end of February to get the, my Achilles uh, surgery, that's when I got the virus. And so I got the virus and I was overcoming the, the surgery. So I was taking some ibuprofen one night really early in March before mm-hmm. all the warnings even came out. And mm-hmm. that night, that's when my lungs just flared up. I felt like I was um, suffocating. So definitely if you get on this thing, I'm telling you right now, wow. do not take it. You got, that's the plague right there is taking ibuprofen or Advil with uh, when you've got the virus. Wow. That's insane. Wow. So, what a, what a, what a setup here for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Todd has been through it all and here he is. To yep. help us with our uh, with our alter ego, so I, I did want to mention I, I'm holding your book right here, and if you guys are listening to the podcast, you can't see me, but I'm holding Todd's book, The Alter Ego Effect, and uh, the Power of Secret Identities to Transform Your Life. Awesome book. And before I even uh, get to the end and say you should go grab it, you should go grab it. It's an awesome book, uh, really really good. I actually have it on the audio book as well, and I know that you actually read through that as well, which I love when authors do that. I, yeah. I don't really like listening to someone else narrate it um, and, and read through it. Um, so I, I really uh, I really enjoyed it. So that's what I do want to dig into a little bit today because I think, and I think you would agree, right? You're all about performance. You're all about mm-hmm. people getting the most, and I kind of want to take people back 
that how this has kind of evolved into what it is today. And then I want to yeah. give people some exercises. I know that you're really good at identifying these things for people to get themselves out of their own way to actually get results in their own life, whether that's in business, whether that's outside of life uh, or outside of business in their own life. I want to dig into that stuff. So take us back in time a little bit, you know, again, how this whole thing started, but I mean, just take us back as far as you need to, or you want to, sure. to kind of get us caught up. Yeah. Um, so I, I started a peak performance training and coaching company back in 1997, right after I got done playing college football, mm -hmm. um, fell into it very accidentally. I was like 21 ish and was my strength when I played sports, I was a national ranked badminton player as well, you know, was recruited for different um, football scholarships. I was a pretty good athlete. Um, mm -hmm. Despite my size, I mean, I was six feet tall, but I was never, you know, a physical specimen mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but right. maybe being the third boy, I've got two older brothers. I was um, at my, my mental game was pretty strong and uh, they could beat me up physically, but I was, I, I, I threw what I call mental grenades at them um, mm -hmm. with trash talk. So, <laughs> um, so like my mental game was good, but I had actually researched it a ton when I was in my teens. Um, and that was because, one of my one of my coaches pulled me aside and was berated me after I got kicked out of a volleyball tournament for fighting. Um, I grabbed a guy through the net and uh, and almost knocked him. Well, I knocked him on the ground, gave him gave him two shots because he kept on trying to kick me out of the net in my groin when we'd go for spikes and oh, I had I'd basically had enough. So I had some anger issues uh, early on in my teens. But he gave me a book to read on leadership, and the book mentioned the mind. And I fell down this rabbit hole of learning more about mindset. And it, I, I used it as a method to help me get into the zone and flow state, which everyone mm -hmm. talks about getting into zone and flow. But there's actually a biological process that if you walk through it, um, there's a pretty popular book out right now um, regarding flow. And it's very research heavy mm -hmm. and it's not practical. Um, mm -hmm. It's sort of funny. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually someone who rails against over researching because researchers mm. are people who stand on the sidelines. They're not actually on the right. field with people practically seeing. So I've been coaching athletes, Olympians, pro athletes for 22 years now, all on the mental game, peak performance strategies. And, um, and I've got close to almost 18,000 hours of working with people one-on-one -on -one, plus the additional team training workshops. But one of the getting to your story about getting to your mm. point about alter egos, and I'll talk to people about why alter egos are, an amazing tool to put inside your toolkit. But um, when I started working with better and better quality athletes, this sort of consistent theme kept on coming out in our conversations that they would say things like, Oh, I've got this other identity that I step into when I'm on the court or the field or when I'm going down the slopes. Um, Cause I worked in over 76 different sports. So wow. the great thing about working in so many sports is you're not siloed into one particular sport where everyone is always right. doing the same things. That's where you typically don't get very much innovation from people who are just operating in one domain. Mm. You get innovation by cross pollination. And so I was able to take different things out of each different sport and share them with um, the different athletes. But one consistent theme was this idea of having a separate identity, this performance identity, an alter ego a persona that people would step into out on the court, the field. And for me, it was like, oh, I did the exact same thing when I played when I played football. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name was Geronimo when I went on the field. That was my alter ego was Geronimo, oh, wow. who was yeah. a composite of seven different characters. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Lott, who is a Hall of Fame defensive mm -hmm. player. Walter Payton, mm -hmm. the great running back from the Chicago Bears, who was my personal hero. And then five Native American warriors okay. um, and brought them all together into this like kind of Transformer-esque type super alter ego nice. for myself. Nice. But, when I started to like, you know, sort of follow the dotted lines that everyone was kept on sharing with me, I was like, wait a second, this is actually a theme. And, you know, while it's cool that they're doing it and I did it, there's actually like something that's there that people need to know about, that there's a process for this that you use and the elite are using it and the people that are struggling are not using it. And the reason that people struggle when they are performing, and this goes to like, we were talking earlier about entrepreneurship. I've got more Olympic and pro athlete clients that are now retired that would say they would gladly that are now entrepreneurs that sport was way easier for them than entrepreneurship because mm. sport mm. has borders yeah. there's rules to it there's a way to play the game there's a definable outcome that you're doing get ball in hoop shoot puck mm. in net right, um, right. and while we kind of have that in business of course get get sales get leads get audience whatever it's just so many ways to go about doing that 
And it's the number of ways of going about achieving things that it causes so much friction for the entrepreneur. Um, and, and so they've said easily, like, I'd go back to playing sport. It's just, a, it's a, it's more of a known thing than, than entrepreneurship. And so the mental game is so big. And because we wear so many hats as an entrepreneur, there's the sales hat we have to wake, make when we're aware that when we're starting out, there's the marketing hat, which is, you know, different mindsets there. Sure, there's sure. the operations hat. Like how do we, you know, maintain things that are lean and how do we, you know, stay profitable and, uh, and stuff. There's the financial hat that we need to wear on, you know, budgeting things. And then there's the delivery hat, whether it's the product creation or whatever. And all those things create friction because you're typically going to be good at one or two of them or you have a preference towards one or two of them, but you have to do all of them and then you avoid things and it takes you so much longer to push that rock up to the next milestone. Mm. So being able to shift your identity is a huge fast track to be able to get through the initial inertia of startup mm. for people. Yeah, yeah no, it, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the way that you frame that too, where in a game, you're right. There's, there's just a couple of things that you need to understand. Right? I mean, there's rules, yeah. right? And there's all of these, you know, rule books and stuff, but it's still, it's, it's there, right? It's, you're going to have someone that there that, that's going to be officiating it. There's someone that's, you, you know, you have to follow, but yeah, there, there's the, the goal of the game is to get the ball in the hoop or to yeah. hit the ball in the outfield, like whatever. Right. But in business, it's, you're right. It's all over the place. We could do a hundred yeah. different thousand different things. Like people ask me all the time, what's the best way to, to start on, online? Well, there's, hundred different ways I could share with you. It's which one are you going to be most happiest in and which one are you going to excel in? Um, mm -hmm. Where are your strengths? So let's, let's kind of speak to that because that's who we are speaking with, with my audience is, is people that are either, they're either starting their business, you know, maybe now with what the world has, has really shown us and that what we have to do now, right? Some people are, are looking at this as a, as a way to, I hope that they are anyway, as a way to reset their life because maybe they've been putting off something, oh, I'm in that job, but I'm just going to, I'll do that one day. And now they've been faced with, well, I have to do something because my company downsized or this yeah. business model just wasn't the right model. It's a brick and mortar. I don't want it to be brick and mortar anymore. And so we, we've now had this second chance, if you will, that those people might want to do it, but they don't believe that they can because Maybe they've never done it or they're not good enough. They're good at this, but they're not good at this. Or someone that has a business online, but they're just like, you know what? I want to, I want to level up and I'm stuck. So what do we, what do we do as an entrepreneur? I mean, I know myself, I feel this at times like overwhelmed, mm -hmm. you know, you have all these different things. What is, I guess, what is the best advice that you could give someone that is feeling stuck or, you know, at the place where they just don't know if they're going to be able to make this thing work for them. And it's just easier to go get a job. Sure. So, um, there's an interesting statistic on the difference between franchise owners. Mm -hmm. So people who start out in entrepreneurship as a franchisee mm -hmm. of something and people who just start out in business with their own idea or their own product, mm -hmm. the success rate on a franchisee in the world of entrepreneurship is like eight times that of someone who just starts out on their own. Okay. Mm. Um, and when you think about why, and I'm not, by the mm. way, this is my point is not about pushing people into franchises. There's actually a secondary point to this sure. is that the hardest part about starting any business. And again, I've started a bunch of them. Most of them are going to be operating in the coaching and training space, something in around intellectual property, but I've scaled businesses and sold them and, and stuff. But the hardest part about it is you're building the product the same time you're building the marketing or the audience at the same time. Mm. And they're, and they're both, they both take so much effort to, to do. That's why the franchisee is more successful because the product is already built for him. All he has to do is bring the butts inside of his, you know, fast food restaurant or the, whatever the thing is that he went and franchised. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's simpler. And then it becomes a great training ground for you to understand the power of systems. And so mm. that if you do, which typically happens, most franchisees go and start another business, but they just got a phenomenal university training and how a really systemized business should be operating mm. based on the heavy lifting and, and work of someone or something else that gave them the, the operation. Right, right. So like I said, this is not pushing you into franchisee, but there's a, there is a meta idea. There's a meta model that sits over top of that. And that is that um, when we have a model to sort of, um, that it's a, it's a, it's a model that we're working inside of or a model or a vision in our own mind. 
it helps us to achieve something so much more quickly. And my point is getting back to alter ego, the power of an alter ego. And again, the, the, the actual term alter ego was first voiced by Cicero, who is the great Roman statesman and philosopher, ranked as one of the greatest Roman statesmen and philosophers of all time. And in a letter to a friend in 44 BC, just a couple of years before he passed away, or really he was murdered, um, he said, the alter ego is the other eye or trusted friend within. And he was the first person to actually use the term alter ego. Oh, wow. And, and what an alter ego really is, is it's a model of someone and something else that you would like to be showing up as because you think that if you came out in that way, it's going to help you win on that field of play. Mm. So Kobe Bryant used the Black Mamba. All right. Mm. Kobe Bryant never came into the NBA with the Black Mamba. And I got to know Kobe and in, in really legitimately, I was out in California meeting with Kobe. Um, our meeting was t- scheduled for two days actually after his plane crashed uh, or the helicopter crashed because oh, wow. he wanted to bring in the alter ego training into the Mamba Academy out in California. And, um, uh, and so, but f- for Kobe, he didn't come into the NBA with the Black Mamba. He employed the Black Mamba when he was going through his sexual assault trial in Colorado, he felt like he was losing his edge. He was losing his identity. Um, and so he felt like he was going to be losing that, you know, that fire and hunger and sort of um, viciousness that he had on the court. And it wasn't until he was watching the movie kill bill where he saw the, this black Mamba scene when he was like, when he saw the black Mamba come on the scene, he was like, wait a second, that's what I need to take out there. And that became his source code or inspiration for how he wanted to show up. It became the model in his own mind Mm -hmm. for how he wanted to show up. So getting back to my point about franchisees. So when you're a franchisee, you're using a model to show up in business. That's already got a container wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. So when you employ the idea of an alter ego, you're actually taking a pre-existing idea and you're showing up, to represent that. And that's not you being fake. And all the people who get trapped in this world of psychology, people that stay stuck in a world, they're all so freaking concerned about authenticity. Mm-hmm. No one actually knows what that term actually means. They, mm-hmm. they, they're concerned about the authentic self or whatever. There is no authentic self. There is no you. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again, because yeah. I, want, I want this to really rattle around in people's heads yeah. and cause a lot of issues for you. There is no you. We use these words in our vocabulary as if it's true. There is no you because there's multiple you's, Scott. There's Mm -hmm. the you that's here as the interested sort of, you know, um, interviewer trying to Mm -hmm. get the best out of someone so that you can put out a good product in front of your people. Then there's the you that shows up for kids, your kids, right? There's the dad. Then there's the husband. All of those are very different versions of you. Mm-hmm. At least I would hope that the husband version mm-hmm. of you in the bedroom is different than the husband than, <laughs> than the dad version, of you. Yeah. right? Right. And and that's a that's um uh, we so we play many roles in life, mm-hmm. and when you start to really look at what are the roles that I play, and even in entrepreneurship, that's what makes it so hard. You're not just an entrepreneur, you're not just a business owner. There's actually many sub roles inside that world. There's the sales version of you, especially when you're a solo person. There's sales. There's the marketing version of you. There could be the chief PR publicity guy who goes out on social media and keeps right. interest or grabs audience. There's the product guy, there's the researcher or, or there's all these roles. And when you start thinking about customizing, like who would be the best version of me to show up in that? Now that's one way to look at it. Instead, mm-hmm. I would say, who can I think of or who have I met or who do I resonate with that is already amazing at that? And I'm going to show up as that. Because what that actually is, is not, that's not me being a fake version of me. What that is, is saying, I love, so like when I do my, because I've done television interviews on Good Morning America, Today Show, when I show up and do daytime television or Mm. any sort of interviews, the type of person I want to show up most as um, with their traits and qualities that they bring to their interviews is Hugh Jackman or Ryan Reynolds. Mm. They're super engaging, they're gregarious, they're like, um, they're just super engaging people, big on camera. Yeah. Well, all those qualities live within me. But when I show up every single day as a coach or a trainer to these you know, elite people, I'm flexing the muscle every single day of being a challenger because I'm coming up against big personalities, big egos, and I need to hammer through those things because mm-hmm. I need, in order for me to do my work well, I need high levels of trust with them. Mm-hmm. And everyone mm-hmm. else is a yes man around them. Nobody calls them out on stuff. Well, mm. That's what I do for a living. But just because I flex that muscle, that's, just, that's not me. That's just mm-hmm. the skill that I'm developing. So, mm-hmm. so many people have identified their skills as being them. And that's not true. 
There's so many different sides of you, just that we all get into this habit of showing up as a certain version of us that we think that that's us. Mm. So the alter ego is a way for all of us to be more playful and pull out different sides of ourselves using something that's already a known quantity. I'm going to show up more like Superman would or Hugh Jackman or Oprah Winfrey or insert the name of anyone, anything, or any combination of things that you think is going to help you win on that field of play. Yeah, no, that's, those are some really great points. And I, I love it how you, you kind of bring in the franchise thing. Cause that does, that makes me see that as almost like it does have rules. It does have a container, like you said, and all you need to do is operate within that. And you should be successful, right? You, yeah. Your business should do okay. Cause the model's been proven in other yeah. areas. You do have support from the franchise, uh, the franchisor, I guess, uh, the person that's, yeah. that's giving you that or the, the company to help you with marketing and to help you with that stuff that they have already kind of built out and tested. When you go out there on your own, it's a little bit different, but why not model something like you're saying yeah. or find people that are in your, like a good marketer, right? You don't want to be a sleazy marketer. You want to be a good marketer. So you're going to find someone that's a good marketer that you like how they operate and you're going to kind of model that and, yeah. and kind of show up as, as that. Is that what I'm hearing? Is yeah, that- 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, if you like the way that Seth Godin markets, then, you know, if I'm sitting down, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to find a way to channel Seth Godin as much as I possibly can. And in the book, mm-hmm. I walk through like all the different ways that you can make that happen that are um, already innate to how your brain already operates. Like that's mm-hmm. my biggest problem with like the self-help community is most of these people are not practitioners. Like I'm a practitioner. Mm-hmm. I get paid by people to help them perform. If I don't help people perform, I don't get paid. Now I've got like a right. yeah, big scaled up training company and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we license our material around the world to like other sports organizations or, you know, corporate entities and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, my first love is still working with people one-on-one. It's just that mm-hmm. nowadays in order to work with me one-on-one for most people, it's, you know, out of their cost reach. So we have group programs and stuff that people can, you know, come inside mm-hmm. of. But at the end of the day, like I love having the, um, the white hot light of performance shined upon me and my stuff mm-hmm. because it's practical. It's built mm-hmm. to help you actually win. Not mm-hmm. this pie-eyed crap that you hear inside of a lot of, you know, personal development stuff that's out there that isn't mm-hmm. proven. Like it's not proven. You know, they try to like rubber stamp something and say affirmations. Everyone should use affirmations. Well, there's a lot of context around that. If you're someone who's um, trying to affirm to yourself that you're great at sales, when you're not great at sales, you don't actually have the skills yet. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going to happen statistically proven by the University of Waterloo and the Stanford Neuroscience Research Lab, you will go into a depression or you'll go into a depressed state. Mm. So affirmations aren't all cracked up to be, right? <laughs> However, if you're someone who already feels like you're a good podcaster and you tell yourself, I am, I am a great podcaster, whatever affirmation, affirmation you're going to say, it'll actually increase your confidence. Mm. So context matters in life. Nuance matters. Now, the people who want to, you know, just write books and, you know, save flowery things just because they're, again, it's cotton candy. It's lollipops. Mm. If you try Mm. to satiate your appetite by only, you know, consuming sugary things, you're going to find yourself pretty fat and bloated. And I think that's where we've got is in the world of self-help and we've got a lot of fat, bloated brains, meaning people who've consumed a lot of sugary self-help stuff and they wonder why they they're lethargic and they can't make it through um, towards their goals. They're unfocused. Well, it's because you're carrying a heavy weight of just crap. Yeah. With you. Yeah. So how do we, okay. So, and that all makes sense. So how do we actually implement it? How do we take action on some of these things to start down that road? Cause I can hear people now, uh, you know, saying, well, that's great, you know, Todd, but I'm, I'm not confident on video and I know I should get on video and I want to get on video, but I just, I'm self-conscious. Um, I don't feel like I am an expert yet. I'm going to wait until I have more knowledge before I actually show up as that person. I, you yeah. know, what would you say that we could do um, or what would be the next move if I was to say that to you and you're coaching me and you know, I'm like, hey, listen, I, I want to go here. I know I can help people here, but I have these either limiting beliefs or I have these obstacles that I think I need to do before I get there, before I actually show up. Great. First thing I do is I'd say, fuck your limiting beliefs. <laughs> okay. I don't care about that. I don't care. No, I don't. I don't care about finding out about your beliefs because mm-hmm. your beliefs are just not. It's it's not truth. It's your truth because mm-hmm. you're acting through them. But mm-hmm. my job isn't to go and get entangled into the spidery webs of beliefs. It's just because mm-hmm. who knows where it's connected to. And I get it. Some of us have come from some very very horrible backgrounds. We've got some 
you know, big things that happen to us as kids. Some people didn't come from horrible backgrounds, but they still have things that get in their way. Sure. Sure. Okay. Great. I'm not a therapist. I'm not here. I'm here to help you perform. So here's what I would say. I want you to commit to 30 days, 30 days. That's it. I want you to record a video every single day. Do not publish it. I want you to pretend that you're shooting. So shoot a video, but you're just going to put that inside of your storehouse. Why? Because at the end of the day, the people with the most skills that are valuable win. Mm. Not the people with the most skills, because there are a lot of people who've got a lot of skills, but in the marketplace of business, they're not valuable. Mm. And so practice them, because that's mm. what a pro would do. You know, you know, that's like saying, but I'm not great on video. Why would you expect yourself to be great on video right off the bat? Mm. It's your expectations of greatness that are causing you a ton of consternation. What you, ex- you, you honestly expect that much of yourself. You honestly expect that you're going to pick the perfect drop shipping product before mm. you get started on something. Right, right, right. Right. So like, what's the, what's the lowest barrier mm. to entry that I can get you to um, uh, start with that's going to create what I care about? I care about starting with momentum. Mm-hmm. How can I create momentum? with someone mm. because everyone else is concerned about jumping to confidence, but I'm not confident on video. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Of course you're not confident on video. Mm. You're not supposed to be confident on video yet because mm-hmm. momentum creates confidence. Yeah. You talk to any athlete. Once you feel like your team has got the momentum, boy, what does that change? It changes how they show up. That's the confidence side of things. Mm. Okay. And then confidence creates, which is the ultimate thing, which is what I'm trying to get everybody to that I work with certainty. Because mm-hmm. certainty is at a DNA level thing. That is a known, I know that I'm good on video. Like me personally, mm-hmm. this isn't because I'm wrong. I know I'm good on video. Mm-hmm. I have done thousands of hours of video. I'm not saying it, you know, about bragging. It's because I've done the work and it's okay mm-hmm. to say that. I, I used to, one of the most commented on bullet points I had on my website for the longest time until we just did a, um, uh, a change last year was uh, one bullet point said, um, I am world-class at performance coaching and I will not apologize for it. Mm. And so I had more people, CEOs, people who starting out all say to me like, I'm so, it's so refreshing to hear someone say that they're really good at something. I'm like, yeah, I didn't say I'm phenomenal at everything in the mm-hmm. life, but I just had the hours. Like, I mean, mm. I've just done the work. And so yeah. I am, I am world-class at that thing. Mm. Um, and so for you, if you're just starting out, but I'm terrible on video, then, then commit to, you don't even need to do 30 days. If you did two mm. weeks of yourself on video and then you watch it yourself and what did you like, what didn't you like? But then you also had beside you a model of three different people that also shoot videos. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know what? I'm going to shoot a video like Scott does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to shoot a video like insert the name of someone else. And now that gets you to play around with different sides of your personality. And you're going to start to find, like if you did it for two weeks straight, you're going to find some comfort. You're going to find a groove that's there. Hmm. Again, it's the expectation of stuff that is probably going to cause more consternation for people than, than anything else. Yeah, I think the but other even, thing is... Even, even look at the, the current 2020, right? Hmm. Everyone expected 2020 to go a certain way. Hmm. Then coronavirus, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And it's a sign of mental weakness is what it is. When you get so thrown off track emotionally, mentally, intellectually, physically, um, by circumstances outside of yourself, because mental toughness is true definition is your ability to be flexible and adaptable despite what you're getting as circumstances. Mm. Despite what the world is giving you, you're being flexible and adaptable. So you still stay focused on what your goal is. The outcome is that you want, but mm-hmm. you better find a different strategy possibly of getting there. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. There's a lot of people who've, who've won in the last couple of months during this pandemic. And there's people who've just really lost um, and, and through no fault of their own. They, you know, they're just happen to be in an industry or a market or whatever that just imploded. I have some of my closest friends. Last year, one of them won the number one place to work at in Canada. His business wow. imploded because he was in a specific sector. That doesn't mean he's wow. a terrible entrepreneur. So um, mm. expectation you're unshackling yourself. So expectation can also be healthy because Mm. just always keep in mind that if there's a bad to something, there has to be a good because the world lives in polarities. Mm. So expectation of the self, I Mm. expect myself to give my best. Mm. So I always want to, my expectation is always geared towards 
process, mm-hmm. not process, outcome. Okay. I expect okay. myself mm-hmm. to show up in a certain way. I expect myself to, um, you know, deliver my best, or I expect myself to be kind to other people. Those are all things that I can control. It's the expectations on uncontrollables that um, lead people astray. I think the other problem with a lot of people is, uh, especially nowadays with social media and everything, is like comparing themselves, right? Like, you know, they're, you know, someone else that they're looking at is so much further ahead, not realizing that they shot the 10,000 hours worth of video, but then they're like, well, yeah, but then they're that much further ahead. So where is there a place for me? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, how am I going to be able to, to start because, you know, of this or, you know, they've got more of of a network built up. Like we can come up with all of these different excuses or reasons why. Yeah. Um, but what, what would you say to that for someone that is, because I think a lot of it is why they don't want to show up either on video or writing a blog post or whatever is, is looking, you know, not smart or, mm-hmm. you know, not being the expert that they think they need to be and they're going to be compared or they're going to be judged. I think that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. What would you say to that? Um, I mean, welcome to the club. I mean, (laughs) we can talk about other people, but I can talk, I can tell you that that was, that was the, that was the greatest thing that was always holding me back early on Mm. in my career was Mm. just the fear of concern and worry about what other people are going to think of me. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's such a heavy load to carry that stuff around with you when you're just, you know, starting out. Yeah. It's that, I mean, it came from an expectation because, you know, Ira, Ira Glass, the, the great, podcast and um, content creator from This American Life has this great quote on just the, the, the starting out in anything in a creative capacity because you have this, you know, maybe you want to start painting or you want to start out doing videos or you want to start out anything that writing. And the reason you do is because you have a taste for it. You have a palate for it. You like something in the way that someone else is doing it. And then you get going and you realize that now you're confronted with the reality of executing that. And you take a look at your painting versus the stuff that you like and you appreciate and you go like, wow, like look at the gap between those two. Or you look at your writing versus this writing that you appreciate. And you're like, look at the mm-hmm. difference between that. Or you look at your video that you just shot and what someone else is doing right now. Right, right. And, and, and that's the thing that discourages people. And, and that's a part of the process. And that's, to a, and that's really, I mean, I, I don't think there's an apology for it. I don't think that there should be a major solution around it because it's the thing that's there to separate out the people who have the true desire to actually go after it. Like that's just a part of the process. You can't mm-hmm. throw the, you can't throw the ring in Mount doom without, you know, walking through the fires of hell kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and the beautiful yeah. part about that is if you're someone who's only looking for the easy path in life, you're going to find so much resistance towards it because you fundamentally know that if you achieved the thing and it was easy, there's very little value to you because mm-hmm. the value is in the journey and all the lessons that you learn along the way. So, you know, we all have to walk through the, um, the valley of difficulty in order to get to the mountain, or we have to, have to, we all have to walk through the valley of complexity to get to the mountain of simplicity. You know, the guy who sits up there and says, you know, it's actually quite simple to get here. But the yeah. only reason that you can see the simplicity is because you walk through the valley of complexity. Mm-hmm. So what I do and the way that I look at it is my job isn't to put a bridge over the valley of complexity because now I'm going to, now you're going to miss out on all of the scars that you get along the way that make you valuable. Mm. My job is to shepherd you and speed you through it faster. So you're not lingering in the bogs for as long mm. as people do. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, just kind of getting back to your question. Um, that, that judgment and worry and concern is a, a big part of the human experience. Mm. But um, you know, some, some simple frames that I have on it are one, here's what I know about human beings. They are so unconcerned about my story, Mm. right? Like we all have a story and we all tell stories in our videos and things like that. But here's what I know. I mean, the only thing they're connecting to inside of my story is some connection point with them. Um, That's the point of me telling the story is to create the connection with them. Mm -hmm. But you know, like people are going to be fairly unconcerned when they go to bed tonight as to like the pains that I had to go through in my life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm so unconcerned now that have mm. gone through this and just kept on doing the reps mm. uh, about what people, what people truly think of me. I know what I am about. I know, mm-hmm. you know, who I am and how I show up. Some of that's mm-hmm. maturity, but mm-hmm. um, I think what, I think it's the intent for a lot of people. Like mm. if, if your intention is pretty pure, 
when you're starting out with why you're shooting this video and it's a skill building thing, I'm getting better. Whether I get, you know, hundred thousand views or I get 10 views, I don't care. I'm just getting better because right, you're right. a really hard person to compete against. Like mm. someone who has that type of attitude, they're really hard to beat because mm. they're just going to keep on doing the reps. Mm. Like whether it's me talking about it or, you know, Jocko Willink or, you know, yep. David Goggins, like we're all going to talk about the same thing. It's the disciplines. The discipline is the one that wins the day. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, if you show up, you put in the reps, even on the time when no one's watching, that's that's when it pays off, right? It's like you got to keep going when you don't see the you don't see the uh, the muscle building yet, mm -hmm. right? But you got to show up. It's like, but everyone wants to go in the gym and they want to get a six pack ab in, in like a week, right? Yeah, like it's just not possible. And and to give someone to give people something specific though to actually sink their teeth into is, um. Because the mind is uh, seventy percent of the the brain is dedicated to the visual cortex. Mm -hmm. um, the best thing that you could be doing, and to stay on this video idea, because it's just a good example of yeah. where a lot of landmines are, is your mind wants a framework or a model to operate from. So the mm -hmm. best thing that you could do is to come up with a framework for how you're going to structure your video. So it's mm -hmm. going to be, you know. Well, or it's going to be like hook, like what's the hook on my video? Like, am right. I, hey, if you've ever wondered how to um, get uh, 5,000 reviews on your Amazon right. product, right. stay right. tuned because I'm going to show you the three-step process to make that happen in 30 days. Right. And okay, so now you just hook someone and then you do a little intro on like who you are or whatever. And then you get into like, all right, so I promised you the three steps. Um, before I get into that, I want to talk about why this is so important. It's because trending on Amazon right now, in order to get trending and to get search reviews, you got to have a lot of Amazon reviews. That's just the way that the marketplace or that platform works. Right, so right. number one is this. So if you have, a, my point is, is develop a framework mm -hmm. and then shove all your content through that framework. Now, here's where people get tripped up. But I'm so creative and I feel like this is so limiting. <laughs> and it's like, no, right. no, no. I want right. you to learn how to paint my numbers first to get the reps mm. so that you can break the frame later because you've got the skills to do it. Mm. But the creative oh, person on the inside mm. won't allow themselves to do that. And, you know, I've chatted with, um, had an interview with Stephen King once and his process is very much the same way. And his consternation with young writers is the exact same thing. They will not operate from a framework. They won't operate from an outline. Mm. So, you know, this gets back to the idea of how can we make business more like sport? How can mm -hmm. I draw a border, you know, the, the, the lines on the court, how can I create mm -hmm. that around my business? Mm. You know, like, and, and one example of a line is this is my target market. Mm. This is the only target market that I'm going to focus on for the next year. Mm. I get that there's, yeah, but my, my product is amazing for everybody. I get that. I get that mm -hmm. your amazing thing is good for everybody, but it's going right. to be a whole easier to market to that one person. Yeah. No, and here's I, that, I actually know. I don't know. It's really experience. good. I don't no, know no, no. I, I was just going to say that's, that, that's amazing. Just putting a box around. I love that actually. Yeah. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah. So I was just going to say like, I don't know what your experience has been like, but when I first started in uh, my, my peak performance, I was specifically going after, I'm Canadian. I grew up in a big farm and ranch in um, Alberta, Canada. And when I was, uh, when I started out, I was specifically going after um, doing uh, mental game coaching and training for hockey players. Mm. Why? This goes back to like, you know, there's so many ways that you can start your business. Sure. Rule of thumb is start with where you are. So where I was, was I had two contacts that had, you know, access to more hockey players for me. One of my mm -hmm. friends, Eric Morissette, one of the top kind of hockey trainers and coaches um, in, in that world and um, another gentleman. So I reached out to them and asked if I could do a, uh, a speech to them, but I was going after hockey players. Now the reality was, even though I said, Hey, I do mental game stuff for hockey players, more than 30% of my clientele were not hockey players because what happens is the moment you name who you go after, what do cats dislike? Cats dislike it when you close a door because they mm -hmm. want to get on the other side of the door. The moment you close the door, human beings right. are no different. The moment mm -hmm. you say, I only work with hockey players. Someone ends up sending you a private email message like, Todd, I know that you only work with hockey players, but do you also work with football players or basketball or figure skaters or which, which is what happened to me? Mm -hmm. um, swimmers. And that's the beauty of it is you think by naming only who you work with, it eliminates everyone else. What it actually does is it invites a lot of people in that aren't in your target group mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. because human beings like don't that. like to be excluded. 
especially because again, people are going to hear your stuff. If you're, if we were doing video, they're going to hear your stuff mm. and go like, man, I really like that Scott guy, but shoot, he only works with e-commerce guys. Right. <laughs> ah, screw it. I'm going to send him an email, uh, a message and see if he can work with me too. And who yeah. knows, maybe you do, or maybe your answer is, no, I'm being very disciplined right now. I'm only, I'm going to stick to e-commerce, but if things mm. change, I'm going to put you on a wait list um, and I'll reach back out to you um, mm. if things change. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's really, really smart. And like you said, sometimes it's the, uh, I guess being exclusive and then people are like, well, wait a minute. I love how you teach or I love this, but I just want to put it over here. And so it's making you more exclusive. And then that's where they do the outreach and, and that's yeah. where you can kind of widen it out a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I love the box idea. I, I'm on that right now. Cause I mean, it, it makes so much sense to just, like you said, paint by numbers, but put the box around the business, shiny objects. We're always distracted, but look at that over there. I can do that because that would be really cool. It'd be fun. Or there's a different business model. Oh, you can tell mm-hmm. you can sell t-shirts now. Let's sell t-shirts. It's like, no, no, it's not in the box. You know, yeah. like, you know, it's not in the franchise. We're not selling well, shirts. And, and where it all comes down to is we all get decision fatigue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have a, um, a program called the 90 day year, which, um, we've had third party companies come in and review it. You know, the, the stats, cause a lot of people put up, you know, we all put up testimonials around our programs, but I wanted mm-hmm. a third party company to come in and do an audit audit. Mm-hmm. It's called the ROI Institute. It's the world's largest Institute that's dedicated to looking at the return on investment of training programs They typically operate in the corporate world. But when I brought it into okay. the online world, I wanted to make sure I differentiated away from all the other kind of performance people that are out there that, you know, call themselves mm-hmm. the highest paid performance coaches on the planet or whatever other bullshit right, right. they say, which is just right. some sort of, virtue signaling thing to others. Yeah. It's like, just, just show me whether or not you're good or not. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so in the, um, in the 90 day year program, what I tell people is fundamentally, when you take a look at this performance system, which helps you identify truly the one thing that you should be focusing on right now. And, the, and it came out of the sports world. It was, it was there to help us define what is the number one skill that if I worked with Scott on in the next 90 days is going to make it, um, the, the largest improvement on his um, outcomes that are important to him. Mm. And then when I brought it into the corporate world and the business space, it was just a phenomenal model to keep people on a railway track towards achieving things. Mm. And, um, and I say, fundamentally, when you take a look at the entire system that I'm walking you through, it is a decision-making system. Mm. And, and most people have the most challenges around making decisions. And that's why I like boxes. So that's why I like the I, that's why I like the metaphor of the basketball court and applying that to business because there is no basketball court in business. There are so many ways to it. No, no, no. That's what people don't get is it is your job mm-hmm. to pick up the paintbrush and create your border. Mm. That's what it is. That's mm. that is one of the first and fundamental rules of I think entrepreneurship is learning that skill, learning the skill of painting your border and saying that's my sandbox. I'm going to play inside that sandbox. And that's the mm-hmm. second key thing, looking at your business as a sandbox. I just fell into this trap. This, this is such a disrefresh to me. I was talking to one of my good friends, Jonathan Fields, who's uh, you know, got another amazing podcast and he's an amazing mm-hmm. um, author as well. And him and I were going back and forth on some things. And I said, you know, I think one of the big stakes that we've made in the last six months is because it's like any entrepreneur, like if you've been doing it for a long time, you can become a lot more strategic. Like you've got sure. enough muscle mm-hmm. and you can overthink things then. And I said, I think one of the things that we've done is we've tried to over-engineer things as opposed to looking at our businesses and going, the whole purpose of me getting involved in this is I love what I'm doing. Right. And, I, and so why not just play? Because who cares if I get it yeah. wrong? I'm playing. Right. Um, and we place all these rules around, oh, but I got to get a return on my, I get it. And I'm, as a mm-hmm. performance guy, I'm 100% on that bandwagon. But at the mm. end of the day, I think the people who get the best returns are the ones who look at their businesses. If, you know what? I'm going to go play here. This is where mm. I want to go play. Mm. And, and I think with playing though, you're, you're learning, right? You're, you're building up a skill set, you know, and, and, and you're, you're going to learn faster and, right. and you're going to learn faster because playfulness, and this is actually mm-hmm. one of the reasons why the alter ego effect is so powerful or the method itself is so powerful is it brings an attitude of playfulness back into your life. That's actually one of the, the key testimonials that we've gotten back from the hundreds of thousands of people that have read the mm. book now in the last year and a bit is I feel like I'm playing more. Like mm. I'm so I've unraveled myself from the story of who I am and I'm mm. back to feeling like this childlikeness to, mm. to how I operate. 
Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Todd, I know we're running a little bit over here. Uh, I could talk to you for another hour. I want to talk about pivoting. I want to talk about all kinds of good stuff. With you. We're going to have to get you back on, bro, because uh, we, we got a lot to, to dive into. But I think this was good for today. And yeah. what I want to do is I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can get a copy of the alter ego effect and, uh, and then how they can learn more of you. Sure. Um, so you know, it's available everywhere books are sold kind of thing, you know, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the Audible, like you had mentioned before, uh, version of it as well, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere, airport bookstores. And then, uh, but my home base on the internet is toddherman.me. And that's where you can find out maybe more about myself and some of the things that we do. And uh, or you're, as well, people can go to alteregoeffect.com where we got more resources for people that they can kind of sink their teeth into. Awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on, taking some time out of your, out of your day and in your of schedule. Course. And uh, I truly appreciate you, man. And uh, let's do this again, though. Let's do this again. And we'll, we'll talk about a few other topics I got set up for you that I think I want to pick your brain a little bit on the air here. Get a little Scotty free coaching v. from Todd Herman. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Todd, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. All right, man. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, I wasn't kidding once again, right? Todd is an awesome, awesome guy. I really, really love the real, authentic, just raw of, you know, the rawness of Todd Herman. And just now I consider him a friend. You know, we hung out for a a couple of days in Puerto Rico. We had some good conversations just about life, about family, about the things that we've been through in life and, and how things are changing and how there's all of these influencers out there and what does that mean? And just a really, really good conversation over and over and over again with Todd. So I just really, really, I personally think he is someone that is worth having in your diet of consumption, if you will. We always talk about how do you surround yourself with positive people and people that are going to impact you in the right way. Todd is definitely one of those guys. So I would definitely recommend grabbing his book, The Alter Ego Effect. I have it here on my bookshelf, and I definitely think that you should at least grab the book or maybe even the audio book, which I did grab that one as well. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap up this expert interview with Todd Herman. Such a great pleasure to have him on, but really Sit down and think about what he says during this interview. Apply it to your own life and definitely grab that book. All right, guys, I'll link everything up on the show notes. You can find that by heading over to brandcreators.com forward slash 849. All right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now, let's rock your brand.